Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Thank you, John, Cynthia. Thank you, guys. Hey, I also want to welcome the e-community. I know that we had some te- technical problems this morning, and we're unable to start at the normal time, but I know you're with us now, so I'm excited that you're here. You're here for the for the meat. It's going to be good. Now, the worship was good, but this that's we got to get ready. We got to get ready for the That's Word of right. God. It is like I, me. I uh, and uh, while, while you're while you're continuing to give, I just want to thank ladies for. Th- I just I wanted to thank the ladies for the great time you got to have here on uh, on, on Friday evening, the women. It was good. And uh, also, I just got to thank James Collins who 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 braved all the estrogen and came out here to. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. It wouldn't have happened if you you weren't there. So thank God for James. Well, well, the the ladies had a fantastic time, and it was just so so fun hearing everything that you guys had to say afterwards. But uh, as I get started today, I just want to start off by saying this one little line that if there's anything you get out of today, I want you to get this. You are God's secret weapon for the last days. Come on. You are God's secret weapon for the last days. You and you and you and you, you, all of you guys and y'all, y'all who are watching, you're God's secret weapon for the last days. All right. So uh, thank you, man. Thank you guys for your help today. Just want to let you know that every Monday we put out a study guide and you can use it for yourself or, or your own small group or whatever you would like to do. But we put that out for you so that you can grow in your faith to, to, uh, to learn. And, and kind of reestablish some of the things that came from the sermon. So that comes out on the City Life app every single Monday. And sometimes it comes out Tuesday mornings, but it's usually on Monday. And uh, an awesome, uh, the, really the, the awesome goal of it is to help you to do great exploits for God. So I really hope that that uh, takes effect in your life. All right, open up your Bibles to two locations today. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy 2, and I also want you to turn over to Luke chapter 10. We're going to jump right into 2 Timothy 2 pretty quick here, and then hold your place over in Luke chapter 10. We'll jump onto that one just a little bit later. While you're looking that up, I want to let you know some statistics that is very, these are fresh statistics on the DFW area and what people think about Christians and the church in the DFW area. So Barna Research just did this earlier this year, and they've, they've released this, uh, this data to us, which really helps us to understand what we're working with here in the Metroplex. And, uh, and 30%, almost one out of every three people, they say this, church is irrelevant to me. One out of three in the Metroplex. Now, I want to let you know, these numbers I'm reading from the Metroplex, they're actually the best in the nation. You go just about any other metropolitan area in the nation, and you're going to find these numbers a lot higher than what I'm sharing with you right here. So, so we, that doesn't mean that we, we get to slough off. No, we have worked. One out of every three people say church is irrelevant. Why? Just think about it. Uh, also, 29%, so almost the same number, says that church is just hypocritical. 46%, almost half of the people that were surveyed on this, they say churches are known 
more for what they are against. So when people think of churches, they think of, well, all the things that churches are against. That's almost half the people, half the people in the culture, half the people in DFW. They think, ah, church is all about what people are against. That's why some just don't want to go to church. 41% of churches, they, they say that churches are detached from the real issues that are going on in the community and in people's lives. The churches are just kind of just going through the motions, but they're completely detached from what's happening. 42% says they don't want to go to church because churches are just judgmental. <laughs> you ever run into a judgmental person at church? You probably have. But you know what? We run into judgmental people on the street all the time. So, so th- those, inf- those little statistics there, that's good information for us to know that we have work to do. And, and how do we do that? Really, it has everything to do with how we portray even ourselves in the community because the church is not the building. The church is the group of people that are together today, but we will be dispersed this afternoon, tomorrow, and all week long. We have a job to do. So I've entitled my message today, Influence. This is part of my uh, glorious church series, four weeks in this series. This is the second week, and today's title is Influence, because influence is actually one of our core values here at City Life Church, and, uh, and we're very serious about it, and I, I just want to say it's time for us to up our game. That's, that's what today's message is about. It's just upping our game with influence within the culture. Now, I want to read to you very quickly what our core value states, and, and this, is, this is important to us. It's important to me. It says that we measure our success by marketplace and community impact. That's how this church measures its success. We know this, that only the presence of God can redeem the culture. So we are present and active in the culture. It's like, well, I thought it was the presence of God that does it. No, I keep in We carry the presence of God. So wherever we go, the presence of God shows up. So therefore, we, can, we are present and active in the culture, and we are salt and light wherever we go. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Don't hide. Get out there. You've got to make a difference. And today, I'm talking about that. So here's that point again. You are God's secret weapon for the last days. Write that down. I want you to get it in your spirit. Now I want us to look over at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 33, excuse me, verse 23. And here we find a really good piece of advice that Paul is sharing to Pastor Timothy. He's the pastor of the church at Ephesus, and it's about gaining and maintaining spiritual influence. Take a look at this. He says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Did you know the Bible said that? It says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. I can say stupid right now. This is great because you know they produce quarrels. See, I I want to equip you today so that we can be effective in the community. So, Get ready to take some notes. Now, I, I studied the, these words from their original language that Paul would have written in. And so when that word foolish is actually the, the Greek term moros, which is where we get our term moron. <laughs> uh, I could say, like, don't be a moron. That's, that really helps with your witness. But, but it means to be absurd, to be a part of just absurd arguments. Don't be a part of that. And the, and the, uh, the other word that is there, which is stupid, is actually the 
Greek term apideuteros, and or something like that, but it means this, it's the opposite of being disciplined and educated. Today, I'm talking about being disciplined and educated. What, it, what this means, if you're, if you're not, if you're, according to Paul, stupid, you are uninstructed, you're stupid, you're unlearned. And I want you to gain knowledge, but more than knowledge today, power and life so that you can make a difference in this community. Have you ever found yourself, though, in like a foolish and stupid argument? Yeah, yeah. So, some of you, have you had, had any fun with some foolish and stupid arguments online? Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. It's time to confess. Just get it out. Get it out. Get it. You know what? It is so easy to do that in today's culture. It's like everybody does it. Let's just jump on board and let's, let's just dive into it. Church, we need help from the Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm challenging you to not be a part of absurd arguments or undisciplined uh, arguments whether it's in person or online, because the big question, is it really, really worth it? Think about this. Are you damaging your Christian reputation to lost people to simply make a point? Is your witness for Jesus tainted? Think about that. Okay, let's look at verse number 24. 2 Timothy uh, to 24, it says, and the Lord's servant, that's important, that line right there, the Lord's servant, must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. So, okay, now, now, first of all, we would all say we're the Lord's servants, right? I'm a servant of the Lord. There are songs we sing. I'm a servant of the Lord. You know, we like singing that and we like talking about that. But what does that mean? The Lord's servant actually comes from this Greek term called doulos. And this means that you are someone who is bound to do whatever someone else tells you to do, regardless of what you think about it. So, when, like, like when you were a child, your, your, your parents would say, you're going to eat this food. You're going to sit here at the table till you finish it. I don't know about you, but that's the way it was with me. And, and the worst thing were the canned peas and carrots. They were gross. They were gross. They were gross. They were gross. But I had to do that, and I had to stay there no matter how agonizing it was. You're going to eat your vegetables. So I ate them. And it, it was tough, but, but that, that was because I was under that authority and I was going to do what my parents said, whether I liked it or not. Now, we are all under God's authority. So when we say the Lord's servant, it's just not like, oh, I'm just a servant of the Lord. <laughs> the Lord's servant is someone who is bound to do what he or she, this is not gender exclusive, y'all, is told regardless of what he thinks about it. In other words, we're supposed to faithfully execute what God tells us to say. And another way way to say this is, you are not the boss of your own mouth. (laughs) That, if you get that as a take home, that's good. You are not the boss of your own mouth. God is. And so people will try to draw you into all types of arguments and, and, and all kinds of crazy things. And, and, and the, the question you've got to ask yourself, is this worth it? In fact, Take it a step further. Look at Jesus. Did Jesus react to every little comment and statement that people made all the time? No. In fact, even when people would pose questions to him, he would just say something back to him. He wouldn't even engage them on their level. 
And, and the, the, I really believe that the way to do this is to be in the scriptures daily. If you are in the scriptures every day, you're reading the word of God, even if it's a little bit, it's going to keep you focused on what God thinks and what God says. And the truth is, the more you're in God's word on a daily basis, what that's going to do is that's going to store up a, uh, an abundance of God's words in you, and God's words are going to come out. It's going to help you with your decision making. You will speak out what's in your heart. Your mouth is going to work better. In fact, there was this article I stumbled across uh, about three or four weeks ago, and it is fantastic. I, I could just preach the whole article and make that my sermon, but that would be, what do you call it, plagiarism or something like that. So I'm just going to send you to it. But I did post this on my Facebook profile, and, and I'll put it, we'll put it into the study guide tomorrow. But it's, a, it's an excellent article. It's entitled, When Christians Lose Their Minds, People Lose Their Faith. Uh, it's an amazing article, you guys. It's a, it's a supplement. It's just something in addition to what I'm sharing with you today. I want you, I want you to get this in your spirit. You really are. You are God's secret weapon for the last days. Therefore, we have to be very different than the culture of the world. Uh, and and you have to think about this. Uh, so, some of us that may mean different things to you. Uh, in the culture that I was raised in as a child, being different from the world meant we didn't go to movies. We didn't go bowling. It meant that, that we uh, only listened to Christian music. And it meant a lot of things that, that's just a, a little different than what we would see it, see it today. Really, the, the concept then, and, and if this is your, still your concept, I, I want to challenge you with it. The concept was we need to separate ourselves from everything that's happening in the world. We don't need to be around other people in the world. We need to just let our lives revolve around being inside the church building every day of the week, and, and, and then everything's going to be just fine. But, but that's actually not what the scriptures say. I am delighted you're here today and we're supposed to be here today. We're supposed to gather together. But today, after you leave here, you are being sent out into the culture. Because when I was, when I was uh, younger, the, we were taught this. It's more important what people think about you than what, what you're actually doing. So if someone thinks you're out there you're doing bad, so if you're talking to a person that someone may not like, or if you're in a place that someone may think, well, he's in a movie, it's probably a really, really bad one, so he must not be a Christian. So, so, so if, if someone thinks bad about you, then you can't do it. Well, I'm, I want to challenge that mindset. I want you to get into the culture. I, I'm, stop being afraid of the culture. Get into the culture, but don't become of the culture. See, the culture doesn't control you. It doesn't because you have the Holy Spirit in you. So we don't follow the patterns in the culture, but we're going to be right there in the middle of it. Now, because we're in the middle of it, we are the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is here. It's in us. And so that causes us to act different, talk different, simply be different. Now, what is that main priority prior uh, or that main difference that we're supposed to show? Is it, is it being angry all the time? Is it being harsh? Is it being ugly? No, it's really simple. It's called the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is actually what makes us different from the rest of the world. That's not oversimplified. That's actually 100% Bible truth. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You see, the world's culture cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit. They can't. Sometimes we have trouble bearing the fruit of the Spirit, which is a signal to us that we just need to go deeper into the things of God. Now, 
we just read it just a second ago. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 said, be kind to everyone. Just, that's a simple way. It's just like, be nice to people, even people you don't like. It says, don't be quarrelsome. Uh, don't be resentful. And if you're going to stand out in the culture, you've got to bear to the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? All right, I'm glad you asked. It's found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. You can look it up on your own, but I'm going to pop it up on the screens here for you real quick. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. Love. This is to everybody. Joy. Peace. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You want to know how Christians act? They do that right there. See, when you display the fruit of the Spirit, you now this is now the open door for spiritual influence. That opens the door. It doesn't actually create the spiritual influence, but it opens the door for it because you become a person that, is, that other people will very gladly engage with. This is so critical for our faith. I'm telling you guys, I really believe this. Jesus is coming soon. And it's time that the church look and act different. I feel some of the prophetic messages that's coming out right now. I shared with you a couple weeks ago also. Uh, I believe strongly that, that this is a time where there's going to be a separation. And who the Christians are going to, it's going to be very obvious who the believers are. And a huge part of that is going to be the bearing of the fruit of the Spirit. Why? It's because the scriptures actually tell us that. So here's what's amazing is you are blessed to be living in these troubled times. You may not feel very blessed all the time, but you are blessed to be living in these troubled times. And in reality, our, our nation seems to be unraveling before us. And, and in reality, we, we're seeing that happen. And politics can't seem to find the answer, but, but the truth is the answer can be found in the hearts of individuals when they give their lives over to Jesus. Jesus literally is the answer. And when Jesus works through his people, what happens is these people, us, when we're stationed, when we're positioned in the culture, that spiritual influence begins to soar. And it's huge. It makes a huge difference, and it opens up more and more doors for you to simply share what Jesus has done in your life. Yes. Very, very simple. In fact, I have uh, a, a banner that's out there in the foyer, and this is on our website as well, but it's, it's our, the Church I Dream statement, something that God dropped in my heart about three years ago, but a couple lines from it. One is, is this, is that the Church I Dream is a vibrant instrument of Jesus in the culture. I believe for that. Vibrant. What do you think? When you think of the word vibrant, just think of something that's beautiful, that's nice. That's what, and it's an instrument. What do you do with an instrument? An instrument is like a tool or, or whatever. It's, it's utilized by someone else to make something happen. So you're the instrument. Just as we saw instruments being played here earlier, those are just tools. They can do nothing on their own. Nothing. Nothing. These instruments can't do anything on their own. But when someone gets behind them, it's powerful. And that's what God does for us. You're the instrument. God is the power out in the culture. Okay? Here's another one of those statements that's in our Church I Dream statement. It's this. The Church I Dream is winsomely. Can you say winsomely? Winsomely. You don't like that word? 
our churches, the, the, the church of dream is winsomely outward oriented. Now that doesn't mean that we don't love each other because you better love each other around here, all right? At least one place in town, you're going to find some love, be right here. But we are winsomely outward oriented. We're a church with a deep love for the city in which it's planted. We love our city. Love it. Allowing for a powerful flow of Holy Spirit activity. How does that work? How does the Holy Spirit work? It works through us. Holy Spirit activity through its people. You're the people. So the city will be different in the days to come. And I don't care if you're, if you're a Saginawite or if you're a DeSotoite. I don't care if you are a Fort Worthian or if you're an Arlingtonian or even if you're from Dallas. I, I can't, it's true. It's true. <laughs> God wants to work through you to change, to bring change, to bring effective change. Now, I think the key word here, as I was going through this again, I, I, that word, that word, uh, uh, winsome, winsomely really jumped out at me this time. And so I thought, well, let me look it up in the dictionary, make sure I have a good, clear understanding of what it is. So I looked up Merriam-Webster dictionary, and this is the definition. Look at this. This is how we're supposed to be. Generally pleasing and engaging often because of a childlike charm and innocence. Is that cool or what? That's how we act. That's how we behave. That's what we do. You might say, well, you know, like, 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 you know, if, if you were one of those people, now, none of y'all from this church, actually, because this really, you, you guys don't do this stuff, but I pastor a church one time, people say, well, I don't know about that. You better show it to me in the Bible before I take it. <laughs> y'all really, seriously, y'all don't do that, but <sighs> do you remember Betty Gianetta? Oh, my word. I think she's dead now, but <laughs> she was mean. Oh, she was mean. But, 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 but God loves her still. She's going to be in heaven, I'm sure. Okay. But here's what happens is, is in Matthew chapter 18, verse three, Jesus brought this principle up. He says, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you're never going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, those are some pretty strong words right there. It is. That means becoming winsome. So when the Holy Spirit works in us and flows through us, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. And when we bear the fruit of the Spirit, we are winsomely outward oriented. Are, are you catching this here? You see, God did not just place you on this earth to make a living and to set up a retirement and to have a good life. I mean, really to make a living and all that kind of, that's just, that's for everybody. Everybody wants to do that. So, but that's not your purpose in life. That's just stuff that we do. You see, God placed you on this earth for more, for more, for more. It's through your spiritual influence that that more is accomplished. He wants you to be different. He wants you to be different than the world. And different doesn't necessarily mean weird. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't. And we all, and we all, this all manifests through us in different ways, which is good. We all have different giftings and passions. And the, the bottom line is God wants to infuse you with power to make it happen. And it's not dependent at all upon your own ingenuity, upon your education, upon your tenure, or upon your strength. Those are natural abilities. There are natural things in our lives, but they're, they're actually not giftings. Those are just the natural things that we have accomplished or who we are. That's great. But see, God wants to do supernatural stuff in you 
and through you, and that's through the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. That's what God wants to do. That's the power of the Holy Spirit because really, don't forget, you're just an instrument. You gotta have the player behind it. Because spiritual influence is actually what changes people's lives. Ultimately, that's what this is about. A good example of this is found in Luke chapter 10, and I want you to make good a flip over there right now. Before we read it, I want to give to you a little bit of a background, but this one I'm about ready to read you is a template for how we behave in the culture. This is, this is good. I want you to get this. Take some notes down here. So, so Jesus, uh, he was with his followers. We tend to think of his followers as the 12 disciples, but yeah, they were there. That was his core group. But there were, there were a lot of people that followed Jesus around. I mean, a lot. And they, they wanted to be involved in the ministry. They wanted their lives to count. They wanted to do stuff like this. And, and, and so Jesus set them up for success. Jesus showed them, okay, here's how to do this. And this is a template for us. Don't forget this. So what he did is he appointed 72 people. He gave them instructions. He delegated power to them. All right, there's a delegated power of the Holy Spirit. He gave to them, and then he released them. He said, now I want you to go, and I want you to do some spiritual influence. All right, this is good. Don't forget, he's done the same for us. This is our template right here. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Okay, so there's power and unity there. There's a lot, oh my God, there's a lot that's packed into this. He also sends them out before he comes. In other words, what you're doing when you're out in the culture, when you're at work, when you're in the community, when you're engaging with other people outside of here, you are preparing the way for the Lord, all right? You are preparing the way for the Lord. The burden isn't on you. You're just to prepare the way of the Lord. The results are not up to you. You are to prepare the way of the Lord because you don't know what God is sending behind you. That's beautiful right there. That's a take home for some of you. Some of you feel like, I'm always doing the right thing and loving people. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not praying for one person to receive Jesus. Well, you just keep going. Just keep loving. Keep doing your thing. All right, keep, keep going here. It says, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So the harvest represents lost souls in the culture. Workers are basically people who utilize their spiritual influence. And they said there are few. So in other words, most people are not going to do this. I'll say this again. Most people, in other words, most people who call themselves Christians are not even going to do what I'm saying here. But we're going to, right? You say, well, I don't know about that. We haven't read it yet. Good, well, let's keep going. He said, so ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So he's, he's saying, let's pray. Let's ask God. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray for people like ourselves. Let's pray that God will send more people into the harvest field. And so then after they prayed, Jesus said this. It says, go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So the lambs, think of this. They, what is a lamb? A lamb is innocent. A lamb is winsome. <laughs> you get this? A lamb is, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Now the wolves basically represent the bad people that are on earth that just want to tear you apart. But remember, when you engage that, you're going to get tore apart. So we don't, we don't engage it. That's what I'm teaching you today, all right? So he says, do not take a purse, bag, or sandals. In other words, God's your provider. God's going to take care of you. Live by faith. And do not greet anyone on the road. Now, that, that sounds a little strange. Well, if we're supposed to be nice to people, uh, then, then why can't I say hello to a person on the road? Well, culture was a little bit different then. 
It doesn't mean you can't wave at a person in a car next to you. Well, you may not want to do that on DFW uh, highways because they might think you're doing something else with your hands. So probably don't do that. But, but really what he's saying here is that when you're on your mission, don't get distracted by other things that are going on. You need to stick on your mission. Stay with your mission. Don't get distracted because, because really I think distraction especially in this media-saturated world, is, is one of the biggest challenges for us as believers. Okay, go look on here. He says, when you enter a house, that word house is oikos. That's important. I'll, I'll get to that here in a second. First say, peace to this house. That word peace is shalom. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it's going to return to you. Let's talk about that for just a second. It was customary in those days when you were visiting a town, uh, just uh, people would take you into their homes. Now, it's not customary to do that anymore today. But uh, although we did have a guest in our home a few weeks ago who came in in the middle of the night, spent the night, and left in the morning. So uh, that's, that's, that's a whole story in and of itself. You told the whole story to the, to the women, didn't you? You told them everything about it. Say, I promised the people who were involved in this that I would not go public with more information, so I'm not going to. <laughs> I did. I really did. I said, okay, but, because <laughs> we did find out who it was. All right. So when you enter a house, when you enter a house, that means an oikos. That, now, what is an oikos? O oikos is people who have a common affinity. So a house could be, an oikos could be the, your place of work. It literally could be the grocery store because everyone is there for the same purpose to buy something. So you get into that mindset. It could be a concert or an event. Everybody is there for a common purpose. All right? That's the key right there. That is the key. So when you do that, you say shalom to this house. You say peace to this house. Now, I do understand we don't speak in Hebrew today. So if you walk into, if you walk into your office tomorrow morning and go, shalom to the house, they're going to think you're weird and you are weird. <laughs> Unless it's a bunch of people who read Hebrew and know Hebrew, then they're going to get it. They're going to go, shalom, right back to you. I have some Jewish friends. I'll say shalom to them. They'll say shalom to me. We know what we're talking about. But 99% of the people don't know what we're talking about. So here's, here's what it is. So don't walk into the business group and say, shalom. Okay, here's what it means. It, you come in and you begin to speak peace, harmony, wholeness, prosperity, tranquility, success, and security. I'll say that again. Shalom means, I know you can't get all this written down, but I'm going to say it a few more times. Peace, harmony, wholeness, prosperity, tranquility, success, security. So when we say that and we proclaim that, what we're doing is we're releasing it. There's the power of your words. You're releasing it into the room. You're releasing it into the group or the setting. Now, it says if other people are there who promote shalom, then it's going to be received. And, but if there's nobody else there, if it's all a bunch of angry, grouchy people who have just the opposite of, of that, the Bible says that it's going to bounce back on you and you get the blessing that you just blessed them with. <laughs> Pretty cool, isn't it? So in other words, you win. You win regardless. You You win. I, I, I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message. Could it be that many Christians do not walk in shalom because they're not promoting it and they're not speaking it? Because, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for it to bounce back on you. So let it bounce back on you. You just get more and more of that blessing. 
peace, harmony, wholeness, prosperity, tranquility, success, security. Let's do it. Come on. Let's speak blessing wherever we go. Okay, going on, back to the scripture. It says, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and you are welcome, eat what is offered to you. So in other words, what he's saying there is just stay where you are, stay put, build some relationships. Man, I'll tell you what, our culture is so transient today. And part of it is just the nature of what we, the way we live. But, but I encourage you, when you don't have to be transient, don't. Because you can establish relationships. So build relationships, serve and work and flourish. He, he said, you know, eat the food that's set in front of you. In other words, that means just don't be annoying. Don't be annoying when you're around other people. It's just, just, just accept what's going on. Hey, let's all go out to eat. Yeah, we're all going out to Taco Bell. Oh, gross. I only eat at Taco Cabana. Uh, y'all can go to Taco Bell. That, I, I am not doing that. Okay, let's just say, well, you've just lost your witness right there. Go to Taco Bell and get yourself a chalupa. Just chill with it, okay? In other words, don't be selfish because that can ruin your witness. Now, what happens is the door is now open for your spiritual influence. You're using the fruit of the Spirit. You seeing this? You're speaking blessing. You're speaking peace. Now it says, now heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, again, if you go to some place and say, the kingdom of God has come near to you, they're going to think you're crazy again. But, you, there is, but people understood that in that culture. In today's culture, it's a little different, but it's really the same concept. It's the same thing. First of all, you need to pray for miracles. You need to ask people, how can I pray for you? I have had lost people in this community right here in, in our own community, people in this community, and I'll, I'll ask them, once I get into some conversation and the walls come down, I'll say, how can I pray for you? And I can't tell you, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had non-believers in this community say these words to me. I've never had anyone ask me that before. Let me think. We got work to do. Do you know? I, I would say, I, I, think, I can only think about maybe four or five times ever in my life where I've said, how can I pray for you? And a person said, I don't want you to pray for me. If, if that's their thing, well, they go, the blessings bounce right back on me. Okay, all right, that's fine. It's not fine, but it, you, there's not much you can do about that. So you can kind of pray in your spirit, God's soften their heart. But, but you can begin to pray for people. So it says, pray for miracles. That's what it means, like heal the sick. You pray for specific needs to be met. And I say, you know what? I'm sick, uh, or my, my, my brother-in-law, or my daughter, or my son, or my father, and then you pray for them. You pray for their needs. You pray for it because you carry the power of God. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. So you, you, you pray for God's intervention. That's basically what you want to do because keep in mind, keep this in mind, God's the one who does it, not you. It's like, well, what if God doesn't answer the prayer? That's his deal. You got to get out there and start praying for people, pray for people, pray for people. And then you basically need to say, you know, God's here. That's all it says. The kingdom of God is among you. No, again, we probably wouldn't say that, but it's God's here right now. God's here. God is right here. And most people will say, yeah, yeah. Actually, most people do believe in the, omnipotence, uh, on the omniscience of God omnipresence of God, that God is very real, very present. 
Okay, keep reading. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even demons submit to us in your name. They were excited about that. See, they, they literally could not believe what was happening. But what is implied here is they were saying, yeah, sure. I mean, people were touched and miracles happened, but we were so freaked out that, that we would say the name of Jesus and demons. I mean, the, the demons would submit to us in your name. That is the coolest ever. They were ecstatic. Really, they were ecstatic about their spiritual influence. Now, I'm teaching you here today because Jesus basically says, that's nice. Okay, f- follow along. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Now, wait, what did Jesus just say? He's saying here, okay, yeah, but I've seen even crazier stuff. Jesus is saying, I was there when Lucifer was, was kicked out of heaven and I saw him fall to earth like lightning because the scriptures do say that's what happened. And I saw that. And I just want you to know that, that, like it says, these snakes and scorpions, that does, I mean, literally, I think God can protect you from that and does. But that doesn't literally mean let's go walk on some snakes and scorpions and see what happens. Please don't. Copperhead babies are out right now. We all know that. You don't want to step on our copperhead because it's just, so what, what does this mean? It literally means the snakes and the scorpions are speaking of demon spirits and says those spirits are subject to you, all right? You're going to overcome all that. You have that authority. You have that authority. In other words, people might try to do mean things to you, but there is no force in hell that can mess with you. Now, that's cool. That's amazing. I I like this. Let's keep going. But Jesus then says, however, uh uh-oh, Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What in the world does that mean? We were just happy that the demons are going to submit to us. Jesus saying, okay, yeah, but don't make that the source of your rejoicing. Hallelujah, all the demons submit to me. Yeah, but of course that, that comes along with it, but that's secondary to your own salvation. And what he's saying here, I love this, rejoice. That means that means you're supposed to jump up and down, spin around, be happy, clap your hands. That means a lot of exuberance. And so he's saying, be exuberant that your name is written in heaven. In other words, you need to be, sa- you need to be happy about your salvation. When you're happy about your salvation, that accomplishes more than anything. You catch this. All right, let's see it again. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The most powerful spiritual influencers hear me well, are people who are delighted and thrilled that they're saved, that they're born again, and they just can't wait, just can't help but show it and display it. Because when you reach out to other people and you're wanting to share with them the love of Jesus, it's always wonderful to say, I just got to tell you my story. Here was me, here is me. Okay, now now jump down to verse 21. Look at this. It says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Now, he's getting so happy right here. He said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Wait, here we go again. The winsome, the winsome, the winsome. Yes, Father, this is what you were pleased to do. He's thrilled that normal, winsome people, not necessarily the most highly educated or the ones who have the most status, he says, I will choose the humble and the available. I don't, I'm not looking for the status. So Jesus will take anyone from any level of society, but he's looking for humility and the desire to be used by him. And he wants you to say, if you're willing to be winsome, if you're willing to be winsome, God's going to use you. 
That's how the kingdom works. The Holy Spirit is in you, the kingdom of God. Now, before I go, I have one last little thing I'm going to do before I wrap up this message, but i got to pause right here. And before I can even do this next part, I just want to make sure every person in this room is a follower of Jesus Christ. You're saved. So would you just in the quietness of this moment, will you just bow your heads and lock yourself in with you and God? And if, if you're not saved, if, you're, if you don't have right relationship with Jesus Christ and sin is controlling your life, today is the day for you to make, for you to make that change. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. And the way to do that is just by lifting up your hand and say, that's me, Pastor Tim. I want to give my life to Jesus today. At the count of three, we just lift up your hand. Nobody's looking around, just me. I'm going to lift up your hand so that I can see it. I'm going to lock my faith in with yours. All right? You need Jesus today? Lift your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. Lift it up so that I can see it. I want to be praying for you. Thank you. Please look back at me. Now, according to what I just saw, everybody in here is a believer. If you're watching online, everybody's a believer. So here's the next part. When Jesus departed this earth, he his disciples were kind of upset with him when he was getting ready to depart because they, they, they realized that they thought, well, Jesus is the only one who really has all the spiritual influence. But Jesus made it clear when he leaves this earth, he's going to allow them to have the same power that he had. In, in uh, John, John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said this, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. You see that? Guys, miracle power is yours. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. What does that mean, going to the Father? That means if he goes to the Father, he's going to send the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. He says, and I, oh, this is good. This is good. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Come on. You may ask me for, he repeats it. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Anything means anything anything. God is saying, I want to work miracles in you and through you. So understand this. You bring the kingdom of God with you wherever you go. God himself dwells in you and he wants to work through you. So go and declare shalom, which is peace. I declare harmony. Let this be a place of wholeness. Let this be a place where there's prosperity and tranquility and success and security. And some of you need to start at your own house begin to speak those things over your home. Release it. Release it. The power of the Holy Spirit operates when we release these things in the name of Jesus. Are you willing to be used by the Holy Spirit? Are you? I believe that you are. You are God's secret weapon for the last days. Now here's what I'm going to have us do. I want every person in this room to stand to your feet right now. And I'm going to Last week, you saw me speak words over an individual to model this. I'm going to speak words over the congregation. And this is not modeling this. This is reality. And I want you to receive this. I'm going to speak words from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, speaking these words out over you. Receive this. Receive this, church. This is God's word. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. Never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous, church. 
Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor to one another. Be enthusiastic, church, to serve the Lord and keep your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't, church, don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest into the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them and eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject you and who persecute you. Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in in a spirit of harmony and be mindful of one another's worth as you are on as you are your own church don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you are too important to serve others but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble minded don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Church, do your best to live as everyone's friend. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous judgment. For the scriptures say, vengeance is mine. I will repay and if your enemy is hungry, buy him a lunch. Win him over with kindness, for your surpassing generosity will awaken his conscience, and God will reward you with favor. Never let evil defeat you, but you defeat evil with good. And I charge you with this. I charge you with that. And I charge you to participate in this prophetic unfolding of God's glorious church in these last days and to do the things I've, I've challenged you to do. You are called to be a spiritual influence. You are God's secret weapon for the last days. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you, God, that you are pouring out your spirit on this generation that your life and your love and your power is active in this room. And we're not going to just take this as a nice little sermon, God, but we're going to put this into effect in our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Do you believe what I just shared with you? You going to do it? Wonderful. Wonderful. John, I want you to come over. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.